Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. It's the Reds 3, the Indians 2 in extra innings. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. Now, yesterday, uh, the weather broke a little bit in Cleveland, and it actually got really nice late in the afternoon. And look, I'm... I'm not, uh, this ain't a paid job, right? Uh, this is not my full-time job. I'm not a beat reporter. So uh, I watched most of the game in the afternoon and then uh, went down to the towpath with the family and uh, took the dog and we went for a run on the towpath. Now, I got out of the car when the Indians had a 2-1 to lead after seven innings. I think I got out of the car right after Joey Votto turned the triple play. And uh, we went for a nice run on the towpath. It was really nice here in Cleveland. A little chilly, but it was nice. Get back in the car, and we've lost three to two in extra innings. I go, come on. Come on. So, of course, I turn to the, you know, the best way to find out what happened in a game is not to check the box score. It's not to go back and check the highlights. It's to call your brother and go, what the hell happened? What the heck just happened? So he gives me the full breakdown, describes... Josh Naylor pulling a Buckner and letting the ball go through his leg gives me the whole breakdown of everything that went on. And uh, that's really the official way of, uh, of finding out what happened in the game, right? Calling your buddy, calling your brother, calling your dad, going, what, what happened? What the heck just happened? So, uh, yeah, I, of course, went back and watched all this stuff and, and caught up on everything. And it is really really disappointing it it's disappointing in so many ways and we're gonna get into it and that's the storylines of this game and the first storyline is just all the bizarre plays yesterday there were so many bizarre plays in this game uh the first one the first bizarre play has to be eddie rosario's triple in the third he cracks one into the corner 103.6 exit velocity um, expected batting average of 570. He had Ahmed Rosario on base. Rosario comes in to score. Uh, the ball bounces kind of weird in the corner. Plus, Castellanos is... Uh, he's not uh, smooth, let's just say, with his footwork. He, he, he's not a dancer, right? Uh, he he uh, struggled with some of the bounces in the corner there. So, Castellanos has a hard time pouncing on the ball. And uh, Eddie Rosario, is he's got some speed. He's got some wheels. Decides he's going to hustle all the way to third for a triple. The throw comes in from right field. He's a dead duck. But instead of, instead of sliding into the bag, he just stops. He almost gives himself up about two steps from third base. If he slides, it's probably a bang-bang play. Maybe he gets in there. But he just stops. And then the third baseman... For Cincinnati, Kyle Farmer bobbles the throw, and Rosario takes two steps and sticks his foot in there, and he's safe. Bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. I'm sure the dugout was giving him stuff about about not sliding, about that that weird play. So he's safe for the triple, and the Indians, uh, I believe that was the first run. Yeah, that was the first run they scratch across. So there's your first bizarre play of the game. Next bizarre play of the game, uh, late in the game with the Indians uh, having the lead. This is in the seventh inning. 
Um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the triple play came in the eighth. So that's the last thing I heard. So this is in the seventh inning. Uh, Jesse Winker doubles to start the inning, but then tries to steal third on a ball that scoots uh, away from Hedges down the first base. I'm not down the first base line, but in the direction of first base. And uh, Winker tries to steal third. Hedges throws a a strike. Oh my god, that, a perfect throw, right. I mean, inches from the dirt, right where Jose Ramirez wants it to drop the tag down. Winker goes into the now uh, infamous swim move that, you know, base stealers are trying to try to avoid the tag where you kind of roll to one side and bring your up arm up and over the tag to try to slap the base. Initially called safe, they go back and review it, and if, uh, Jose Ramirez does get the tag on Winker's hip as he's bringing the glove up and across Winker. So on review, he's actually out, and we get out of that seventh inning with no trouble. Again, bizarre plays keep happening in the eighth inning now. Eddie Rosario singles. Fermil Reyes singles. We got runners on the corner, nobody out, a 2-1 lead. I'm in the car about to go for a run, and I'm thinking we're about to add on to this lead, and I'm going to feel really comfortable going for this run knowing that uh, the Indians are going to win this one. By the way, it ran four miles. It was a nice run. It was a nice run. I think my wife said we were on a pace, like a 940-something pace. So, good run. Um, but Josh Naylor comes up, smokes a ball, absolutely smokes a ball to first base. 103.6 mile-per-hour exit velocity. Expected batting average of 590, but not when you hit it at Joey Votto. He makes a diving catch on the line drive. And that, well, I shouldn't say that. He makes the catch on the line drive and then he dives with Fermil Reyes back to first base. Uh, it is a terrible situation for a runner on first. It's like the one place where you can't react to the ball faster than the fielder. Uh, so Fermil Reyes, you feel bad for him. He's kind of hung out to dry there. Um, because by, by nature of taking your secondary lead, you are already further from the bag than the first baseman is. So no fault to Vermeil Reyes here. But Votto gets it and dives back to the bag with Vermeil Reyes and tags Vermeil Reyes before he can get back to the bag. Here's the bizarre play. Eddie Rosario looks like he came in to score. Looks like he comes in from third to score. Votto thinks that he came in to score until everybody on the team tells him, throw the ball to third base. They throw the ball to third base. Triple play. Triple play. Now, within a week, the Indians have been no hit and had a triple play turned against him. Uh, I'm sure the odds on that in Vegas were pretty high. So Rosario doesn't tag. He just breaks for home. He thinks that the ball one-hopped Votto. He didn't see Votto catch a clean on the fly, so he thinks he can just scurry home and be safe, and they turn a triple play. Bizarre bizarre then we get into the ninth inning like i said uh i'm going off my brother's description on this but tucker barnhart ground out to first base mark payton ground out to first base max schrock ground out oh nope the ball goes through josh naylor's legs after he just turned this play twice the ball had a 65.8 mile per hour exit velocity it had an expecting a batting average of 130. It was garbage. It was garbage. It was 
a weak hit grounder. Uh, the game should have been over. The Indians should have been celebrating a win. Uh, instead, Schrock gets to second uh, on the error. They pinch run with Senzel, who can fly. And uh, Jesse Winker singles him in. On a 101.1 mile per hour cutter, uh, Winker just gets the bat on the ball, ends up hitting at 109.3 mile per hour exit velocity underneath the diving Andres Jimenez, expected batting average of 490. So it, it, was, a, it was a true single. It was a fair single. And uh, the pinch runner Senzel is able to come in and score. Castellano singles up the middle. Votto singles on the dumbest single of the day. The exit velocity on Votto's, he hits a, he, he drives it into the ground, but it gets past Classe and ends up in no man's land between third, short, and the pitcher. Uh, Jimenez comes charging in on it, but by the time he gets it, there's no play anywhere and everybody's safe all around. It had an exit velocity of 49.2. It had a launch angle of minus 26. So he basically hit this thing directly into the ground on a 26-degree angle off the bat. I mean, yeah, it, it, was, it was garbage. It loads the bases. Luckily, Eugenio Suarez, who's always swinging for the fences, lines out to right field to end the threat. So we're going to extra innings. We talked about this a few days ago. The away team should have the advantage in extra innings, right? They have a runner on second, nobody out. They have a chance to scratch across a run and put all the pressure on the home team. We don't do it. Cesar Hernandez grounds out. The runner cannot advance. Eddie Rosario line up. Then they intentionally walk Jose Ramirez. Eddie Rosario lines out. Jake Bowers strikes out to end the threat. I would I would bunt Cesar Hernandez there. I'm sorry. The guy is hitting 170, and you know he can get a bunt down. Getting that runner over to third is incredibly important. Whether he bunts or whether he grounds out like he did, they're still going to walk Jose Ramirez, and it's still going to be Eddie Rosario's responsibility. But now Eddie Rosario comes up with, uh, with a runner on third as opposed to a runner on second. I, I don't know. There's no highlight for Eddie Rosario's line out. He, the distance he hit it was 276. So could a runner from third have tagged? I guess it was Ahmed Rosario probably would have been on base. Could he have tagged? Probably. He's got some wheels. Uh, at least would have been a play at the plate. Uh, yeah, but you can't tag from second. So you've got to get that runner to third. You have to as the away team. You cannot not score in the top of the inning because it sets up exactly what the Reds did. Tyler Naquin flies out to center. Uh, the runner is able to tag and go to third. And uh, the throw from Ahmed Rosario was terrible. I mean, would I mean maybe if someone's got like a you know a Sinsu Chu Ichiro type arm out there, those are just the best arms I could think of. Uh, Chu had an incredible arm. Man, I miss that. Oh, man, watching Chu throw from right field was awesome. If you have that kind of arm, maybe they would have thrown the guy out of third base, but uh, Ahmed Rosario basically threw the ball in the dirt. He basically spiked it. Um, ball couldn't have traveled more than, what, uh, 60, 70 feet out of his hand before it was in the grass. Uh, and then Tyler Stevenson singles, hits a, I, I don't know, hits one to the warning track in right field. It was way over. Luplo's head, who was probably set, they probably set the outfielders at the depth that they could throw a guy out at the plate because that's the pressure that Cincinnati situation they put him in. And Stevenson 
singles over his head, and that wins the game for the Cincinnati Reds. So, bizarre plays all over the place, man. It just was a strange game. Strange things just kept happening, but it felt like a lot of them happened uh, in the Reds' favor, although I doubt that. I mean, I'm sure Reds fans feel like uh, Jesse Winker caught stealing, Votto out at home. They probably felt like Rosario's triple. They probably felt like a lot of things were going against them uh, to start the game. The Indians had the win probability line in their favor for a long time. From the 4th until the ninth. they had the win probability in their favor. Uh, and it just flips on a dime there in that ninth inning. All right, uh, what are some other storylines? Tristan McKenzie. Tristan McKenzie pitched pretty good. Uh, he was in trouble most of the day. Uh, in the first inning, a walk and a single, two runners on base, strikes out the next two. Second inning does give up the home run to Tucker Barnhart, 104.1 mile per hour exit velocity, 412 feet. Uh, apparently, Barnhart can hit the ball down. Like he's just like Naquin, he likes the ball down, and uh, he smokes it out into right field. By the way, speaking of Tyler Naquin, who was struck out twice by uh, by Tristan McKenzie today. In fact. He comes up again in the third inning, this time a double to lead off the inning, a strikeout, then a walk, a line out, and then Naquin's up again with two runners on, and again he strikes him out. Uh, if he gave a great interview with uh, Bull and Fox on 92.3, uh, the local Cleveland sports channel. Um, he gave a great interview and talked about playing in Cleveland, talked about the inside the park home run and what was going through his mind when he threw up the rock and roll sign. Uh, gave a it was just a fun talk. Uh, talked about his name. Apparently, it has Cajun roots, like Louisiana roots. And uh, down there, they would call it uh, Nacan. That's how they'd pronounce it, Nacan. And when, his, when him and his brother were kids, his dad was like, look, everyone's going to pronounce it Naquin. Let's just go with it. So this is not a Francisco Lindor situation where uh, he doesn't really like being called Frankie. He prefers, prefers Francisco which I never called him. I never liked Frankie. I don't know why the Indians have to add a Y to the end of everybody's name. Uh, but yeah, he was like, please keep calling me Tyler Naquin. It's fine. But if you're down south, if you're in Louisiana, it's pronounced Nacan. All right. That's cool. Um, but it's a good interview. So if you haven't heard it, go check it out at 92.3 The Fan. It, it actually, there's some good insights about the Indians organization. And he's really high on Bradley Zimmer. He thinks Bradley Zimmer is an incredible athlete. And should be up here with the team. So yeah. Uh, but McKenzie gets out of trouble again in the third. That's what we're talking about. Tristan McKenzie. Um, in the fourth inning. Strikeout. Single walk. Two guys again on base. Sonny Gray, the pitcher, comes up. Force out and a fly out from Jesse Winker. Fifth inning. In trouble again. Gives up a walk to Joey Votto. Suarez lines out. Uh, on 102.7 mile per hour. Uh, exit velocity, expected batting average of 800, he lines out. And then Tyler Naquin singles, but this is the play where we get Joey Votto at home. So, uh, yeah, so he got out of trouble all day, did McKenzie. His final box score was uh, five innings pitched, five hits, one earned run, four walks, and seven strikeouts. So when you are striking guys out, you can get away with some things. Uh, looking at his pitch breakdown, he threw a ton of fastballs. He threw 60 fastballs out of 87 pitches yesterday, 
only 13 sliders, 10 curveballs, 4 changeups. His CSW on the day overall was 30%, which is about league average, which is doing okay. Uh, His best pitch was the slider for that, 38% CSW on the slider. Um, Going over to the illustrator, he got a lot of strikeouts on the fastball. Uh, Got three strikeouts on the fastball, four strikeouts on the fastball. Does get one on the slider away to Castellanos. That's the one that he foul-tipped in the glove. And then does get two with curveballs basically in the dirt. Gets Nakan and uh, Kyle Farmer on curveballs basically in the dirt. Uh, The fastballs were not necessarily up. Two of the fastballs were definitely up. The one that Sonny Gray struck out on was way above the zone. But hey, that's the pitcher batting. And then uh, he gets Jonathan India pretty much in the zone, uh, tight but in the zone, and gets Naquin, the same thing. Uh, it's it's a pitch right down the middle, and he just gets him to whiff on it. And the, the velo, the velocity for McKenzie was not very high. Uh, his fastest... His, high, his highest velo of the day on the fastball was that strikeout to Naquin, 92.4. His slowest fastball was at 86.5. His average velo on his fastball was only 90.1. I don't remember that from McKenzie. I remember McKenzie uh, throwing a harder fastball. And looking over at uh, PerspectivesLive.com, they had an article from his debut, or after he debuted talking about him. And... They said in spring training, this is spring training of 2020, so pre-pandemic, his fastball was sitting at 90-93. He, he's never been known as someone with an incredibly high velo on his fastball, but because of his long arms, they talk about how uh, the perceived velocity of his fastball is higher than the actual velocity because he's releasing it closer to the plate than some other pitchers. Literally, I mean, that could be the difference in how the batter sees that ball coming. So that's why he gets so much strikeouts on his fastball, even though the velo is in the low 90s. But in that debut, he uh, he was throwing it like 94, 95, topped out at 97 miles per hour. His final pitch of his initial start in Cleveland, he topped out at 97. So we thought we were getting a guy who was going to throw in the mid-90s with his fastball, and then yesterday, he's down at 90. So maybe that's a thing where as he, I know we always, you know, talk about how skinny he is. And as he fills out more, you know, he's very, very young. Um, will that velocity tick up? Maybe. But he still has that perceived velocity. He's still getting strikeouts with it. So it's still a very effective pitch for him. And I'm, I mean, obviously, he was feeling it because he threw it 60 times yesterday. Uh, so yeah, so that is Tristan McKenzie, but not only that, not only that, talking about bizarre plays, uh, McKenzie does come up to bat. He came up to bat in his first time with runners on and he got wood on the ball and he grounds out. And this happened the other day. I mean, Logan Allen came up, I think with bases loaded. I think they walked Perez to load the bases in front of Allen and he gets out to end a threat. We had a threat going in that second inning. Uh, Naylor walked, Andres Jimenez doubles. They intentionally walk Austin Hedges to bring up Tristan McKenzie. He grounds out to second base. All right, but McKenzie does come up again in the fourth inning. And this time, uh, after Andres Jimenez homers, uh, Austin Hedges strikes out. McKenzie comes up, and he singles. He singles through to the right side. 90-mile-per-hour uh, exit velocity. 
840 expected batting average on the hit. Tristan McKenzie gets his first major league hit for a guy who hasn't swung the bat since high school. Uh, he gets a hit, and it, it, it looked okay. It actually looked okay. Uh, Ahmed Rosario flew out, so luckily McKenzie didn't have to worry about running the bases. Uh, we didn't have to worry about a pitcher sliding or anything like that, but McKenzie gets his first hit. So I should have added that to my bizarre place because you know, that was cool to see. And I'm sure the Reds fans were like, oh, come on. Come on. McKenzie's going to get a hit off of us. Uh, I'm sure Sonny Gray. Actually, I'm sure they were all laughing about it. Uh, it looked like Votto was laughing about it with him at first base. So good feels all around when a guy like McKenzie gets his first major league hit. Other than that, uh, the offense is just sputtering. Just, it's just brutal. I mean, Ahmed Rosario leads off yesterday. Your, your t- top two guys in your batting order are hitting 194 and 170 with OPSs in the 500s. We know Cesar Hernandez has hit the ball hard and gotten some very unlucky outs. But it doesn't change the fact that, you know, when your top two guys in your lineup are sputtering that bad, I mean, it's really hard to get things going. Again, we have a one, two, three first inning. I, I will at some point count up how many times we've done that because it feels like a lot. Eddie Rosario did have two hits on the day, including the triple. He has an RBI. Fermil Reyes strikes out three times. Uh, Austin Hedges, of course, struck out three times. Struck They intentionally walk him, and then he strikes out three times. I mean, Austin Hedges is a really good defensive catcher, but my God, you can't start him in an NL park because basically you're eight. You're playing with seven hitters then. You literally played this game with seven hitters because eight and nine are automatic outs. That's just brutal. And maybe you get away with it in the American League, but in an NL park, it's just not working. And this, they got to go to the universal DH. Like I used to think it was fun that all players should have to hit. I used to think there was some purity to that, right? The pure baseball theory on that. But... These pitchers today, they're not working on hitting. They are so focused on their pitching. They're so so specialized in their skill set that it is obnoxious that we're making them hit. So it's I'm done. Give me the universal DH. Please. Please. Andres Jimenez did have a good game. Two for three, a double and a homer. He's got his he's only hitting 235 for his average, but his OPS is up to 797. So he is slugging the ball. I told you you might you're gonna like Andre Jimenez. I told you that even though everyone would be pissed about the Lindor trade, you're probably gonna like Andre Jimenez. And I gotta say, I I, I kind of enjoy him out there. I I kind of like him. Uh, his defense has been all right to start the season, but he has come up with some big hits, uh, hitting down in the bottom of the lineup. Not when he leads off. When he leads off, it hasn't gone well. Down in the bottom of the lineup, it's it's going okay. Uh, in fact, in fact, for fun, I decided to do a player comparison between Lindor and Jimenez. Now, it's only around 40 plate appearances each. All right, so this is something we're going to keep track of as the season goes on, and Lindor is known as a slow starter. But Lindor has 44 plate appearances. Jimenez only has 38, so keep that in mind. Uh, Jimenez is hitting 235. Lindor only 212. OPS for Jimenez, 797. OPS for Lindor, 615. OPS plus, this is setting them against league average. League average set to 100. Andres Jimenez is at 119. Francisco Lindor is at 77. 
Now, the one difference here is that uh, the on-base percentage for Andres Jimenez is only 297. He's only walked twice, and he's struck out 10 times. However, he's got three doubles and two home runs, which is why his slugging percentage is at 500, which is why his OPS looks great, even though his on-base percentage is under 300. Lindor has not hit for power yet. No home runs, only one double. But he's only, he has a not, he's only struck out twice, and he's walked eight times. So his on-base percentage is 372 compared to Andres Jimenez is at 297. So Lindor does have a leg up there. Uh, as far as war goes, uh, 0.6 for Andres Jimenez, 0.3 for Lindor. So he's got him beat on war. So yeah, so uh, Andres Jimenez does seem to be off to a better start than Lindor. It's something we're going to keep an eye on. I'm establishing it now. We're establishing a baseline because we will come back and check on this from time to time to see who has the better season. The guy getting paid $22 million or the guy on a rookie contract. Uh, I don't think that I, I don't think that Andres Jimenez will have a better career than Francisco Lindor, but um, Lindor's been scuffling for uh, he scuffled last season. It was a struggle last season, and he did not come out of the gate well. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, whether it's Andres Jimenez or one of these other young shortstops we have in the pipeline, uh, does one of them come up and have just a good a career as Francisco Lindor had when he was in Cleveland? Uh, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. All right. So, yeah, so the Indians offense, I mean, it's rough, right? It's just rough. Two runs is not going to be enough to beat the Reds, who love hitting in their home ballpark. We got to find something here. Shane Bieber's on the mound today, and we got to give him some run support because you know Bieber's going to come out. And it's going to be tough because Wade Miley hasn't given up a run Yet this season, he's 2-0. So he's due, right? He's got to be due. We have to take that approach going into it today. Yes, Wade Miley has had two excellent starts for the Reds so far this season, but he has to be due to give up a run at some point. Why not today against the Indians? It's a 1 o'clock game. You got some day baseball going on. So, yeah, I mean, that wraps it up from yesterday. Some really rough plays. We finally got rid of Ben Gamble. He was sent to the alternate site. They brought up Sam Hentage. I'll figure out how to say his name right soon. Uh, they bring up Sam, and uh, he didn't pitch yesterday, but we definitely will see the big lefty pitch at some point this weekend, I'm guessing. Uh, that's the first step, right? We got rid of Ben Gamble. Everyone's shocked they did not bring up another in outfielder, possibly. Possibly when the series is over, does Hendges go back down and they bring up a different outfielder? Is this chance for Nolan Jones or uh, Daniel Johnson or Bradley Zimmer or one of these guys to come up? And then we're all we're all on Jake Bowers' watch. We're all waiting for Jake Bowers. He pinched hit yesterday for the pitcher position. That's why he struck out in the tenth inning. We're all waiting for Bowers to get the boot. And again, is that Bobby Bradley coming up? Is that Nolan Jones coming up? Is that Daniel Johnson coming up? And Josh Naylor moving to first base? Apparently. Uh, Josh Naylor, uh, you know, Meatloaf said two out of three ain't bad, but uh, it doesn't work in the ninth inning of a baseball game. You really need to come up with all three of those grounders. And uh, 
you know, does he get moved to first base permanently and then one of these outfielders get called up? I, I know people have been kind of, some of the beat reporters, some of the writers out there, some of the podcasters have kind of been warning you about Bobby Bradley. He strikes out a lot. Yes, yes, we know he's not a plus defender. Yeah, yeah. It's something about his attitude. It's about his attitude. It's about his personality. I have to be honest. When you see some of his stuff, you know, when you see you take social media, you know, for what it is, right? You, you never exactly know with social media, but you see his attitude out there on the field during spring training games, and you just feel you want to support the guy. You want to be positive about the guy. He has power potential. He's got untapped power potential. He's got, when he makes contact, the ball goes a long, long way. And it may not always be pretty, but it's got to be better than Jake Bowers, right? It has to be. I'm done. I'm fine. Cut Jake Bowers. Let him go. Let him go to another team. Let him turn in to uh, Giovanni Urshela with the Yankees, right? I don't care. I don't care about Jake Bowers. Some of those others hurt, right? Jesus Aguilar, maybe Giovanni Urshela, maybe those hurt a little bit. Jake Bowers, it doesn't hurt because we've never seen anything here in Cleveland to prove that he has potential to be a star player. Bobby Bradley could be someone that the team could rally around. He's got great energy. He hits the ball a long way. The fans are just ready for a change. We want to, we want to see one of our young guys get a chance. Just That's all. Maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe he makes tons of errors and strikes out a bunch. Who knows? But at least give him a shot. If this season is about giving guys shots, then what the heck are we doing? What the heck are we doing with Jake Bowers and not Bobby Bradley? All right. So MVP for the day. I got to pick somebody here. I'm going with Tristan McKenzie as MVP for the day. This is not a hard decision. Seven strikeouts in five innings. He battled. He battled, but the only damage is the solo home run, plus he gets his first major league hit. And when you get your first major league hit, especially as the pitcher, you are almost guaranteed MVP for the day. A very cool moment for, again, a young guy that the entire city is behind. We all are Tristan McKenzie fans right now. And uh, yeah, MVP for the day, Tristan McKenzie. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Cincinnati. It's the Reds 3, the Indians 2 in extra innings. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about Shane Bieber. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.